1: Said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can
0: understand that, can't
4: you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second
3: captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Maria Sharapova's name change stunt has been thrown into an even harsher light by her withdrawal through injury from the US Open next week. It's hard not to surmise that. You can pretty much see the thinking in her mark. She wasn't plan. going to play anyway. She wasn't going to play. Might as well get some cheap publicity out of it. If you haven't been following the story, the world's richest female athlete was planning to change her name for the duration of this tournament to Maria Sugarpova. Sugarpova being the name of her brand of candy. Uh, you're not going to find the second captains at the Irish Times falling for such a stunt. No, of course not. Or Ken, for that matter. Although I am having a look at the official website of Sugarpova. What a tasty looking range of mm. and premium can- candy she's got on there. Splashy, flirty. Five ninety nine. There's one called competitively S- priced as well. There's one called Smitten. There's one. My favorite is Sporty, and the packaging on this features a bunch of tennis balls trying to escape from the packaging. And I think the bag itself contains a bunch of
4: tennis ball shaped sweets. I mean, this is like an infomercial for Maria Cynikpova's sweets. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's. I, I don't know. I mean, I, she's a businesswoman. Mm. Business. The term businessman uh, in Russia in the 90s became a dirty word. You know, why? What's wrong with being a businessman? What's wrong with leveraging your brand? What's wrong with sucking every last penny out of the, you know, um, the, the soul of the game that you... It's not like she hasn't devoted enough hours to becoming good at tennis. Maybe it's time now for tennis to give something back, you know, for the umpires to to call out her name. I mean, that's the <laughs> the idea every time there was a point in a match or... You know, uh, you know, a set uh, or, or her name appeared on Miss TV. Sugarpo- I think it seems pretty. Sugar, pretty I, it's like, oh, to f- I thought she was called Pova. What's the sugar <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you know, what's the problem with that? When you get down to it, you know, she's she's young, she's greedy, she wants to make money. What's the problem? You clearly do
2: have a problem. No, I mean, I don't. I don't have a problem. It's great. You just called her Miss Pova. Well, look, you know, she, you know, she's she's like Isn't there's
4: she a lot just- of there's a lot of idiots out there uh, who might buy my five ninety nine candy. If mm. uh, yeah, As long as they hear about it, that's the thing. Yeah. As long as they hear about it, they're, likely, they're more likely to buy it. They're not likely to buy something they've never heard of, are they? So let's get. I'd never heard of Sh- Sugar
2: Pulver it. before this, this idea. No, of the, course
4: not.
3: This idea that she's besmirching the great game of tennis and the wonderful philanthropic venture that is the US Open yeah. by trying to make some money out of it yeah. is a little bit rich. Trying to make
4: a bit of extra money out of it. Yeah. She, she, she's isn't making this money what, isn't this it? what a lot of she's, sports people she's do? She's getting paid for her
3: participation.
4: She's absolutely... But she's trying to uh, use the U.S. Open as a marketing vehicle for her candies. Mm, yeah, no, that's fine. You know, it's fine. Uh, okay. What's the problem with making money? It's, it's, it's good. What country is, is, is Sugar power from again?
2: Uh, from Russia.
4: Russia. Mm. Any major historical events happen in Russia? It's, it's been a land of inequality at times, hasn't it, Russia? Mm. It's been a land where the rich got richer and weren't dis- we're afraid to flaunt it, wasn't it, Russia, for for many, many centuries. And then I guess... You know, sometimes you just push things a little bit too far. Have you ever seen that movie Russian Ark?
2: Uh, no, I haven't. No, you know the movie I'm talking about. Is this the one where it's just it's through the Saint Petersburg? Yeah, the museum. So it's just one long continual shot for like sixty minutes or something.
4: What it, longer than that? Yeah. The camera never stops. <clears throat> it's wandering through this endless labyrinthine palace filled with treasure. All I'm saying is, you know. Well, you're so sure. you're basically. Well, well, hang on, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is... I'm saying is that there's nothing wrong with greed per se, but eventually it will cause the collapse of civil, well, your society. Not civilization as a whole, mm. because not every society is equally greedy. Your society will collapse, and uh, you know the rest of the world will move on.
3: Boston Red Sox pitcher Ryan Dempster has been hit with a five-game ban for <laughs> throwing the ball really fast right th- at Alex Rodriguez. Mm. This happens quite a lot in baseball, where... Pitcher beans a batter is the term, and it's usually it's done very deliberately. See the thing about those base professional baseball pitchers, they're usually reasonably accurate. So when the ball goes and hits one of the opponents, you can pretty much tell it. You can't
2: really say, oh, it's you know, kind of oh, well, uh, you know, I'm like Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, sometimes I just pitch it twenty yards The context for this: heads.
3: Alex Rodriguez has been it has been banned for performance-enhancing drug use, but he's appealed that ban, so he's free to play at the moment. In the meantime, he is. Well, I'll let Brian Murphy fill in in some more of the detail, but the other players in the league aren't too happy that he's out there playing. And Boston in particular are the big rivals of the Yankees. So when the Yankees come to town, Rodriguez steps up to bat. There's this hilarious pantomime sort of scene where all the fans are holding up these Mm. steroid-looking things that they've drawn on their bits of cardboard and all the rest of it. Yeah, the very first pitch, Dempster throws, just misses. It actually goes in behind... A rod kind of brushes the back of his leg and he gets a standing, a very polite standing ovation from the crowd. It's as in, that's mm. exactly what you should be doing. Then the third pitch, I think it was, he absolutely nails him up towards the head area, certainly around the upper arm. Well, it's the
2: elbow, uh, yeah. The, well, uh, the, the, elbow, the elbow, yeah, yeah. Elbow is the start of the upper arm, I suppose. Yeah. End of the lower arm, uh, Owen, but you probably knew that already. But yeah, I mean, the a of sporting theatre, is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. It's as if. Uh, Luis Suarez and Patrice Everett That game in Old Trafford, where Suarez refused to shake Everett's hand. The first ball that came into sort of Suarez's area, Patrice Everett came came over and just kicked him three yards up in the air. That's basically the <laughs> equivalent of what happened. That's what Patrice Everett tried to do. He did, but actually, he ended I I up recall, kicking yeah. Rio Ferdinand in the air. Yeah. <laughs> oh
4: yeah. Suarez kind sort of wriggled out of the way, and never tackled Ferdinand. It was. That's exactly what happened.
3: Yeah. We'll talk to U.S. Murph about that later. But let's start with the All-Ireland semi-final, Murph, a very strange situation in that Mayo, <laughs> Mayo of all counties, are going in as the steely, dead-eyed I mean, machine I, that will not mentally I falter just, at this I point. I just
2: fear for any of Mayo's opponents. I mean, they're the most re- remorseless killing machine since James Cameron sat down and decided that this Terminator idea would be a brilliant mo- a br- good idea for a movie. So, yeah, I mean, it is kind of strange that there would be such a complete... But I mean, it happened last year. I mean, Donegal, you know, as Keith Duggan memorably described them in the Irish Times a couple of weeks ago, Jim McGuinness turned Donegal from half football team, half stag party into, you know, this amazing team that uh, that had as their prime virtue this ridiculous discipline and dedication to the Coles and all the rest of that. So we, we've seen it before and Donegal at least have an All-Ireland to show for that. Mayo haven't, Still haven't gotten over the hurdle that has caused them most difficulty, which is the All-Iron final. They've won plenty of semi-finals over the last uh, over the last uh, uh, fifteen years or so, seventeen years. So the, the big question still remains to be answered about whether they can actually seal the deal, end the sixty-two years of hurt. Uh, we haven't seen it yet, but it's true they do appear to be. Uh, in a pretty good shape coming into this weekend's all Ireland semi-final.
3: O'Shea McConville and Anthony Moyles are with us lads. Thanks a million for coming in. Thanks a lot. A couple of weeks ago Oshin you said that you feared Tyrone would that Mayo would do the same thing to Tyrone as they did to Donegal which would be a fairly hefty defeat. We're getting closer to the game are you sticking with that?
5: I'm going to stick with that on, yeah. Um, uh, I don't think things have changed that much for, for Tyrone. I think Martin Penrose is actually probably a bit of a mess to them. I know he hasn't really uh, played that well for them this year but He's somebody who always has the potential to, you know, to give defenses a problem. He has pace, you know, and I don't think Throne can really replace that, uh, that bit of pace. And I think uh, Mayo can attack from all areas, all over the field. I think they're very strong in the middle of the field. There's no doubting going into this game that Sean Cavanaugh is Teron's biggest threat, the biggest player. But he doesn't win a lot of ball, a lot of clean ball in the middle of the field. He doesn't really get his hands. In fact, for a lot of the time, he, he probably doesn't even contest kick uh, kickouts. You know, so Mayo's gonna have the upper hand big time there, uh, in the middle of the field. We give them a platform, you know, to go forward, and they have the forwards for the first time ever. Mayo have the forwards, not only the forwards, but they've got a they've got backup on the bench. Um, every game you can see Andy Mourn steadily get, slowly but surely, you know, getting better. Killian O'Connor. I mean, when it comes to the confidence on a forward, I mean, he must be just, and, you know, he must be playing with the utmost confidence. You must think that everything he touches, and there is periods in your career where you just everything you touch and you just feel as if you can do anything. And I'm sure he feels that way at the minute. So for me, you know, Tyrone are in bother. I don't think they have the pace to cope with, with the Mayo attacking half backs. Uh, I think the one thing for Tyrone is they're going to have to keep it as tight as they can for as long as possible and see is there that chink in Mayo that people still are still are convinced that is there uh, looking on the surface somewhere. Uh, for me, it's gone, um, but I suppose they haven't truly been tested yet. Um, uh, Turin will be a test for them, but I don't think Turin will be able to live with them. I think they're too strong in too many areas. I think you probably,
3: ideally, a manager, well, I don't know if this is true for all teams, but you do hear that a manager at quarterfinal, semi-final stage, they want their team to win and to play well, but there to be a few chinks in the armour that they can easily identify none of us really saw any with Mayo the last time as Oshin says even the All-Ireland champions couldn't test them. but James Horn, I saw a quote from him on the Score website saying there was huge room for improvement Anthony he says it's the worst we've been as regards incomplete hand passes in the year and he also said that they weren't turning over the ball up front as much as they should have been that would seem like nitpicking they're too busy scoring goals yeah, that would seem like nitpicking from James Horn.
6: Definitely, yeah. Like, I mean, if if hand passes or you know turning over the ball is, is the least you worry, you're going okay going into an All Ireland semi final. I think I, I read a lot of what Horan's been saying, and it's funny. I look back on a couple of interviews that were in previous years given by different managers, and and the different the change in the rhetoric in Mayo is unbelievable. You know, the way they're just it, it's it's. It's nothing about semi-final. It's nothing about the All Ireland final. It's literally about next game, next game, next game. The, their heads, and Ocean has just said it there. People are kind of expecting this chink, and even I, I was kind of saying, look, you know, the only team that'll beat Mayo along the way now this year, I feel, are actually Mayo. You know, go in, freeze, have one of. But. It, it just seems to be a different, completely different setup, different mentality. I don't know if they've had someone in working on it or whether it was just a Horan thing. Horan just seems like a very level-headed fella. I wouldn't say he gets too kind of caught up in stuff. You know, I wouldn't say he's a worrier. Like I mean, obviously he he understands the magnitude of the game, but at the same time, I'd say he's just put into these players that look, you are good enough to win this, and um, you have to believe in yourselves. And from there, just let your football play. Because every single one of them seems to be enjoying themselves. You know, they're attacking as Ushing says from different angles. Lads want to get on the ball, mm. and it's the first time in years where you see a lot of male forwards who are actually demanding the ball. And then, as we said a couple of weeks back, given the right pass, like I mean, above all the four teams left, they are a team who, if they see a man in a better position, he gets the ball.
3: It's funny at the end of the All Ireland final last year. I think the only. What you could say for Mayo was, and everyone said at the time, at least they didn't buckle after the early goals. It seemed like scant consolation at the time. But Andy Moran has been talking about that this week, saying it was actually key that a good save was made by David Clark at one point from McFadden. And if that had gone in, they could have crumbled. He admitted that themselves. And actually, that save and just making a game of that All, all- Ireland final has given them the platform to go on this year. Is that Would you buy into what that... To that idea, was
5: she? Yeah, I think it's been seen. I think since James Horn uh, took over, that slowly but surely, you know, that weakness or that perceived weakness is gone. Uh, And I think last year's All Ireland final was the key, was uh, one of the keys to that. Even though they lost, even though they lost, I think one of the things about it, if you if you heard James Horn after the game, yeah, of course, Mayo and everybody in Mayo was disappointed. You know, I think the whole country wanted to see them, you know, get over the lane but I think, you know, there's a problem with that and that there's so much feel feel good factor and, you know, everybody wants to see them win. I think you have to get hard into that at times. I think, you know, there comes a time where it's you're nearly better, you know, being hated. And I think one of the things coming up to the last game was that uh, you know, Donegal was trying to create that siege mentality, but James Horn you know, was well equipped to bite back at them. He was well equipped in, in the verbals and all that sort of thing. And I think he's done himself no harm. I think when he stands up and he he says something like that, his players also respond. They stand behind him. So it seemed to be a pretty united group. Even go back to the dropping of Conor Mortimer. I mean, James Horn never ever looked back on that. He never seemed to regret it in any way. He was pretty forceful. He was happy with his decision and he moved on. You know, everybody else was talking about it. But the Mayo uh players, and James Horn, the panel, you know, they all moved on from that, and I think that can strengthen you, and this team looks like a team that, pretty soon after last year's All-Ireland Final said, look it, there's the evidence, we are good enough, you know, okay, take that six, seven minutes out of it, and we are good enough, and that also gives you a bit of belief, but the fact that they didn't cave in, they played the better football towards the end of that game, but it was, the game was up. Especially against a team like Donegal, give away them early scores against a team like Donegal. They're gonna shut it down. They're gonna they're gonna see it out. Murphy McFadden's gonna get enough scores to see it out. But uh, but Mayo did stay in that game. They were the better team. They turned over Donegal on numerous occasions, but they just didn't have that last little bit of quality. And I think Andy Morn and is is a key to a lot of these things. His very presence on the field seems to give the rest of the boys around him a lot of assurance cuz of the way he plays the simple things he does when he got the ball last week he wasn't trying any anything ma- or in the in the last game he wasn't trying anything major he was getting the ball and he was shuffling it off and he was walking himself into the game and he was bringing other Mayo forwards into the game as well
2: yeah i i think the point that both of you've made about horn is very interesting actually because what he does is he doesn't get angry at all. You know, all of these things, all of the things that get thrown at him from outside. And say Mortimer is a very good example. He just said, "I've made a decision. You know, and I'll answer the questions all you like. You can answer, ask all the questions. I'm not going to get mad about it. I'm not going to give you the sort of the soundbite that you're looking for." In the yeah. same way, it happened with Dunny Gall. Horan just says, "I'm not going to get angry about this, but here's here's the situation. This is how I and I think that it's that's the kind of guy that he is. He has that steeliness about him that." So there's actually nothing from outside that's going to impact on us here inside. I think he's very he's a very very impressive fella and even while he's not saying we were saying talk talking about this earlier uh, today actually but how he talks to the media and he doesn't give away anything but at the same time he's perfectly polite about it he's as if like again nothing you say nothing yeah. you write there about there have
3: been inter managers who we don't need to go we don't need to go through the list who just appear rude and obnoxious in trying to say nothing whereas yeah. he yeah. seems yeah. to perfectly polite so he's never going to have any issues with the media because yeah, really I don't care anyway. I
2: don't care what you say about me because yeah. all that matters is what happens in the group and I think that's actually that's a that's a very interesting very powerful guy to have at the at the helm you know
6: yeah I think it, it's funny you know I remember Sean Boylan used to say you know it, Say a lot, but don't say anything at all, you know, and that's the kind of way Horan does it, you know, he, but th- he'll have to be that way coming into this game, Murph, because Tyrone have already kind of started, you know, with the, with the, 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 the discipline sheet that they put out last week, yeah. you know, they've already kind of, and Tyrone have obviously taken on the siege mentality of, Everyone hates us. The whole country is against us, you know, and we've got to, Like, I mean, that's great for a team, obviously, because it can bind the team and they have this, you know, desire now to kind of sh- shove it down is everyone's throat. It, is it worth the effort, though, of going to the... I mean, we're talking to an Armand
2: man and a Mies man, so siege mentality, you know, is basically second... That's your default position, <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> I of mean, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it around the other position? But, I mean, is it actually
6: worth the effort of trying to build
2: you know of trying to get that us versus them kind well, of feel it's funny,
6: into it I remember I was thinking about it you know and, and and I was thinking just about the Tyrone thing and I remember after the Lancer final a couple of years ago or you know the, the, the infamous 2010 yeah, yeah you know we tried to build that and as you say it would come very, very natural to us, especially coming in and playing, say, Dublin or something like yeah. that. But we really tried to build at that time. But the weight of expectation, and, the, and not even the weight of expectation, but the weight of kind of Negativity? the whole... Yeah, and country kind of, you know, the, the, the divergence that was going on, you know, the Joe Duffy show, all this kind of crack going on, Housewives ringing up, going mental the abuse that Joe was getting, Joe Sheridan himself. And you're kind of saying it actually weighed on different lads. Some lads accepted it. Some lads were like, yeah, this is really getting me going. It, it, it was siege mentality-esque. But then there was other fellas who were just saying, I can't actually take this because they were walking down the town in Navan, and some people were saying, no, that's the great thing. And some people were actually kind of mm. nearly shouting abuse. Right. So it can affect, I think, Murph, it, it's a tricky one to play um, because some lads... Certainly in that situation with us, some lads accepted it and some lads took it on, but then other lads were actually saying, you know what, I I don't particularly like being in this situation.
5: Yeah, I think for Tyrone Tyrone in particular, it has to be based on more than just the siege mentality. I think all the things around that have to be right. And when they are right, then it really does work. We would have used it in particular more so at, at at a club level because... You know, the British Army occupation, all that sort of thing. We used it for a crutch for many years as an excuse. And then all of a sudden, wished, hold on a second. Joe came in and said, like, you know, let's use this as something that, you know, regardless what they do to us, regardless what piece of ground they take to us, whether they land helicopters in the field you know we'll take this and we'll use it you know regardless of what they do we'll still be successful and i think you know it took us a long time to cotton on to the fact that that would work for us but you know we used it for a long long time and but i'm just saying that if you don't have the quality behind that you know the the, the base is if the base ain't right which in Tyrone it is in one respect in that they have all the all they've got the, they've got the right manager they've got good coaches uh, they've got a they've got a serious squad, but at this stage, uh, it's just not. They're not good enough to to beat Mayo. They're not good enough to beat Mayo. They're not good enough to go on and win the All Ireland. I actually think what Mickey Hart has done this year, and he probably won't get a lot of credit for it, but he's done a huge job to get them this far and to get them back. You know, challenging right at the top, and they will build and and they'll they'll come back because the conveyor belt is unbelievable. The work that they do at underage, the the centre of excellence they have. All of that is right, and it will come back, but they're just not good enough this year. What if Sean Kavanagh has another brilliant
3: day, and Stephen O'Neill wakes up a little bit? He's only couldn't believe it today. I read that he'd only scored two points in the championship so far. He's one of the best, best forwards in the country for the last ten years. Um, Is he just past it? Is that a bit unfair?
5: No, I don't think he's past it at all. I think there's, there's, you can still see that there's, there's shades of brilliance there. I mean, the the all air, the the league semi final. I mean, the two points he kicked, you know. Proved to me that you know he's definitely not finished. Okay, it was only a league semi-final and championships, uh, different kettle of fish, But it just takes one piece piece of brilliance or genius for him to spark into life, as you say, and, and get back into it. Even with those two playing out of their absolute skins, still not good enough. Really? Win, yeah. <laughs> well,
3: why? They're
5: just they just they're just not a, they're uh, just not at it. And I'm, but and, sorry, I said it because they Ireland and an All
3: Ireland semi-final. They yeah. took care of Monaghan controversially maybe they beat a decent Meath team Are Mayo that far ahead that the, the Throne even with two of their best forwards their two best forwards playing really well I'm talking about Sean Gabbard as a forward yeah. here, and attacking mm. player you
5: still think there's not enough in the rest of the team I, I don't think there's enough all over the field I think uh, defensively they're just they're not even they're not close to being uh, not close to being added at the minute Mayo have too many aces they attack at pace, and, and that's one thing. They attack from so many areas of pace that that's the one thing that Tyrone can't handle, and that's why I'm saying that they'll keep it tight for as long as they can and see if there a chink, you know, that they can get over the lane in this game by any way, shape, or form. But. It's, for me it's not going to happen
6: like I mean Penrose is a massive loss because he does play that role where he goes drops deep as well and then builds and I don't think they have someone like they're talking about bringing Cassidy Cassidy's done very very well when he's come off the bench I'm surprised um, I'd say he'll start midfield they'll need to do something to try and combat the O'Shea's aerial power um, but but going back to O'Neill you know he looks they're not really playing him to be honest with you they're not actually playing ball in at him like I, I remember I looked at the mead game Kevin Wright had very, very little to do because the ball actually just didn't come into O'Neill. He's nearly
2: nearly being used as a decoy. He is, he
6: is. And he was being used as a decoy, as far back as the Donegal game. Do you remember that day where they actually, Donegal put two men in on him and he was kind of, you know, he was nearly bringing them away from the play, if you know what I mean, making runs to actually drag them out from the middle. Um, Now the last day he came out around centre-forward for the last bit of the Monaghan game so he might kind of drift out there but... I agree. Look, if there is a team that can kind of dog and stay in it, and by hook or by crook, kind of win a game, it's Tyrone. But I just don't think Tyrone or Mayo are just. This is a, for me. I think it's 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 Mayo. Even you can sense it even amongst the team, and even in Horns as I say in his words, that it's it's their time.
3: I'm also going with the best case scenario here that Stephen O'Neill plays well and that Sean Kavanagh has a big impact you did say to us a couple of weeks ago you thought that Kavanagh you've alluded to it again that Kavanagh won't have that impact what tactically what will Mayo do to stop him doing what
5: he does I'm still having to say that exactly who they're going to put on him but Vaughn I, I mean a lot of people would say that Donald Vaughn might go on him and I that, just I just think that Vaughn gives them too much mm, you yeah. know from a defensive point of view he, he sits in and he's able to break, you know, a pace. The person that I think, will will matter, and this is not who I would put on, but that the person who I think they'll assign is Colin Boyle. And I think, you know, they'll give him a job. Let's just stay with Sean Cavanagh for the day. Let's nullify him. Let's face it, you know, if if Sean Cavanagh is not in the game, well then, yeah. you know, it makes life a lot easier for Mayo because I, I don't see where else, you know, the bulk of the scores are going to come from. I mean, he what did he get against Mayo? Oh, against Mead, nine, eight, nine points. So eight there, against Mead and yeah. five against Monaghan. 13 yeah, you know, points yeah. Like the last especially games, you know. the Mead game. Like he really stood up when Mead could have could have uh, picked off Throne that day, yeah. and. In fairness to him, he got them over the lane, but I just think that Mayo be more ready for him. I think you know if they do put somebody on him, uh, nullify him, take him out of the game, well then it makes life almost impossible. What about him. the
3: other way around there? Because I'm sure Mickey Hart has some plan for Aidan O'Shea, but Tyrone don't necessarily have. Classic midfielders in the sense of the word of guys who are gonna compete with him aerially. So do they have to accept that O'Shea's gonna win, that both O'Shea's will win a lot of ball and find a way to Yeah, they might the they
6: might do a kind of a wait as they come down and then get in and around them and try to do that kind of tactic. Um, I think Cassidy might actually commit like they've they've enough, you know, with Joe McMahon with, you know, Kavanaugh, Column Cavanaugh. they've enough they've they've enough height around there. But the problem is do they have enough power around that middle. Like I mean, uh, you might find of O'Shea actually goes on Kavanaugh. You know, he might. You know, he's he's quick enough. You know, as long as he just learns about this sidestep that no one seems to actually <laughs> people are still buying <laughs> the 15 years yeah, of all the people like, watching here it uh, comes yeah ja <laughs> <Mads>. <laughs> there it goes yeah left foot fade you know <laughs> <laughs> we're watching <laughs> it for 15
2: years going like how come people haven't figured this out with Jad? Yeah, Jad ja yeah. keeps skating I can still see the video
6: you know James Horan down doing video sessions on this all yeah. week but no he's, it's, it's, it's probably there is a way to kind of but when, if you look at O'Shea at the moment um, he is a fella who and that's Aidan O'Shea he's just he knows he knows he's the best midfielder in the country you know, <laughs> You can see it, like literally. He's just going up. He's he's he's, he's coming for balls all over the field, like it, it, balls that aren't really his kickouts. He's just going and winning them, mm. you know. And when he comes at you, you know, he's sixteen or seventeen stone, whatever he is, and he's six foot four, six foot five, and he can shift. Yeah, and like I, th- I think the
2: thing that really impressed me against Donegal is that people tell you to go up as far as to, to to go into the tackle and pass, then out of the tackle. So you get your you have passed the ball before you you get tackled. O'Shea actually wants people to come in and tackle him so that he can then pass the ball to the three people that have been left left spare you know, so you, it's you almost see, like a rugby offload he commits exactly, a guy yeah. and he, he hits he him and passes in and then you, know, you see Keith Higgins flying right past him and he's like ahead of the ball before O'Shea's even passed it yeah. because yeah. he knows O'Shea is, is so big that he can actually just gather people around him and pass the ball through the tackle. I mean, it's extraordinary. And where
6: last year he was fading, I remember the Donegal game, like he faded a bit, you know. You could just see he didn't have it in the legs. You know, he did some remarkable things, but this year he's as lean, you know, he's he's, he's obviously worked massively on his fitness and you can just see, like, he has loads left in the tank, you know. And I just don't think Tyrone, you can try and combat that, but then, you know, like I wouldn't want to be standing there when he comes down. Yeah, you know. <laughs> part part, part of the, the solution. <laughs> yeah. 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 Could oh someone Sheen, else help me here, oh yeah. Shane, If you're Mickey Hart, what what's your
5: plan there? Plan is just to keep it as tight as possible in there. Get as many bodies in and around him as possible. Uh, the one thing that he may have is he may have you know a pretty short fuse, mm. and you know I'm sure Tyrone above all teams will test that out and they'll have a go at them. there'll be variables floating about, all that sort of thing and I think, you know, uh, they'll keep it tight in there, if if you're Mickey Hart, you've got to still be in the game with 50 minutes, you know, 50 minutes on the clock, if you're still in the game uh, with 50 minutes on the clock, then of course they have a chance, you know, of course they have a chance but, you know, for them even to stay in the game that long, a lot of things have to go their way. Things have to be right all over the field, and in particularly in that midfield area. You made a good point though about about uh, about Tyrone in the middle of the field. Tyrone has survived a lot of years not being brilliant in the middle of the field as far as clean possession. But see, when you come down with the ball in the middle of the field, you've got absolutely nowhere to go. One thing uh, we used to we used to watch videos after videos of this, but. In the middle of the field, Throne used to break the ball continuously, and the two half backs just used to run up the field. Just take a chance. Didn't care what was behind them, just to run up the field. On the way back was the two half forwards, mm. you know, coming back in to cover for them. Meanwhile, these two boys and everybody's looking around going, <laughs> you know, mm. and. Even when you even when you watch videos and you think right, that's in my head. I'm going to try and counteract that. The amount of times that they were able to get scored directly from the opposition's kickouts is was remarkable because all they were doing was going up and intentionally breaking the ball. Because generally speaking, the, the midfielders have had you know uh, haven't been capable of, of that clean yeah. catching, but they've still survived and they've still come out with 45, 50 percent of uh, possession, which has been enough to get them over the line. It sounds yeah. like those videos are imprinted on your brain. <laughs>
3: yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of them. <laughs> There, the, it's just an interesting quirk. The fact we've got two sets of brothers in midfield. There, I know you played with your brother for Cross McLennan, and Anthony. You've got about ten brothers playing for you at the moment. are playing. Yeah, the, the club name is in the process of being changed. I mean, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, yeah. I just
2: no. Honest, it's only four, I believe. Isn't it yeah. at inter yeah. at inter-county
3: level? Is it an advantage to play midfield with your brother? Do you
6: think? Um, I'd say it probably is. Yeah, it depends how you get on, <laughs> you know. But no, it probably is. I think the two, the, the two O'Shea lads look like two very different characters. I don't know, uh, uh, Seamus. I only know Aiden a small bit, but they seem like different characters. They play like different characters. In what you know? way? Well, like one is, it just seems a bit more kind of like Aiden is is a bit more. I suppose he does the fancier stuff, yeah. where Seamus just does the dog work. Yeah. You know, and he's in, he's in the pit. You know, and he's just in there constantly. And I, I think to be fair to him, he does. Doesn't get as much no. credit, you know, and, he's, and he's, he's a fantastic player, and he and he literally gets up and down, up and down,
5: unbelievable workhorse. He might even be one of those players that doesn't really want any credit. He just he's happy, sort yeah. of in the background. Yeah. It's the really impression, perfect, yeah, it's the impression that he gives yeah. me. Yeah, it's
2: a perfect setup for him yeah. in ways that Aiden is you know, this huge physical specimen, younger than him, better looking than him, taller than him. And he's actually, and he's actually Are, is he better with with I've, I've yet to. Is
3: this humour? No, no.
2: I'm, 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 well, I suppose it's just the hair, really. I mean, he, Aiden has some. Yeah. I mean, first that Seamus you know.
3: O'Shea role that you talk about is interesting, though, because that midfielder is often the harder one to find. A lot of counties have a really have one really good midfielder, and even Kerry would sometimes struggle to find the right partner for Darrow O'Shea, and sometimes they got them, and you're flying then once you have the person mm. who's willing to do some of the other stuff.
5: Yeah, it's just it's a file, isn't it? Really, and it's somebody who gets in there, does the donkey walk. I have had a couple of them. Uh, Seamus Scanlon, you know, went. You know, under the, completely under the radar when, you, when he played with Kerry and Daryl Shea took all the plaudits. But I mean, the one man's work rate. You know, Seamus Scanlon's work rate. And, you know, you'd see him coming off with 60 minutes gone in the game and he would not have a thing left to give. It, you yeah. know, so, you know. And he'd, he'd hardly
6: kick a ball. He'd literally get it, hand pass it off. You know, like, I mean, that's the type of player he was. But it's, uh, no, like, I mean, just getting back to Tyrone a bit as I say Tyrone will they'll have the siege mentality they'll have that they, you know so it'll be it'll be us against them 34 against them you know they, they they literally will want as as Oshin says to just drag Mayo down as much as they can and if that's by verbals if that's by you know sneaky stuff if that's by whatever way they can do it they're going to try and pull it out you're both predicting Mayo victories
3: margin of victory
6: Anthony I think they'll win by 5 or 6 Oshin I'll go 10 or 12
3: 10 or 12 so just marginally Said less with unmistakable relish there, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> marginally less than than the victory over Donegal. We we'll leave it there. Anthony
1: O'Shane, great stuff. Thank you. Thank you.
5: Liberty Insurance is proud to be the first ever partner of
1: both GAA hurling and Camogie. To celebrate, we will give fifty euro to your local GAA club when you take out a Liberty Insurance motor or home policy. For more, visit libertygaa.ie. Liberty Insurance, insurance the way it should be.
3: Terms and conditions apply. Offer applies to new policies for private motor or home insurance.
6: Taken out between now and the 13th of October 2013. Liberty Insurance Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
3: Big wins for Mayo all round. Murph, continuing the theme that we were speaking about earlier on. Nothing could possibly go wrong for this Mayo football yeah. We will know before the match though. I've, I've identified the key to understanding who is going to win a big GA Championship match. It's taken me 33 years, yeah. my entire existence, to finally break the code. Do you know what it is? Uh what is it? The speed at which a team runs out of the tunnel. <laughs> Claire, you should have seen Claire last weekend, but well, you probably did see. Them. They they sprinted, they must have all set PBs for their hundred metres or yeah. their maybe forty metre. And the, the intense, the manic intensity that they come out with is that the hilarious bit is that they do that, and then they have to jump on the little bit of, bit of plank of wood that yeah, the they, bench, yeah, yeah, they yeah, yeah, for the for the photograph in the middle of the thing, which is a bizarre uh sort of routine. But yeah, Claire nailed it. And, haven't studied any more depth than that, but they won the match last week. So, so we'll know. We'll see if ma- Mayo are a big, big, strong team. They yeah, pull. they wouldn't be great men for the the ma- the
2: mad dash out of the dressing room, though. Andy Mourn well, like he appreciates a steady pace. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's going to be breaking any PBs. But I mean, Cl- Clare are of course managed by the man who ran out of dressing rooms faster than any other man. Yeah, and people in have
3: history. people did note when I mentioned this on Twitter after the Clare game that. Uh, if you were managed by Davey Fitz, you would be dying to get out of that dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, no, Okay, Davey, we've, yes, we, we, we know. I think that, yes, I think we will probably try and win this
2: game, Davey. Yeah. We get the picture. Let's it and play there. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think your theory has some merit, but sure. I, I'd just like to see some, a broader, uh, you know, sort of scientific base. You well, what's know, your prediction? More frames of reference. Of I'm going itself. to say Mayo to win by uh, six or seven points. So similar to Anthony Miles, mm. not quite as bullish as Ushin there, uh, but yeah, I think I can't see Mayo winning. for game. me.
3: <laughs> Sorry, Ken.
2: Toronto for me. You think Toronto are going to win this game? Yeah. What I are you? Yeah. What are you basing it on? Just your gut.
4: Just their northern obstinacy.
2: Yeah. Is that? I mean. No, you're a lot prejudiced. To no, 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 they're 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 obstinate. I mean, it's they are. They're not
4: they? They are. They are they're. cussed. and. uh... You know, I just think they've, they've you know, they, they've got the dark arts and all that kind of thing going for them. Uh, Mayo will, uh, no doubt, try to score a few goals, but uh, mm. maybe surprise the to find a way, way to stop them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's I'm saying.
3: Time for a bit of this now. That's right,
1: you're a real so. Irishman. You get the potato yeah. I left in your dressing room there? I got the potatoes oh, yeah. and the puccine. Huh? And the puccine. Oh,
3: yeah, there you <laughs> are. Born
6: and bread, yeah, in uh, County Meath, a little place called Navan.
2: So, Owen, it's time for the Pierce Brosnan Emigrant Shoutouts. Yep. Uh, and it's a forever changing entity, On as you know. This week, for instance, we got our first request for a P-Befso, which is a Pierce Brosnan foreigner shoutout. Now, in fairness, the man in question, Andrew Grady, he knows he doesn't have a leg to stand on here, but nevertheless, he was inspired to contact us by those three lads working in a subway in Ocean City in Maryland. And... This story really does appear to have touched a chord with people worldwide. Because Andrew writes, Lads, yes, I know this won't be shouted out as it's not within the spirit of the p but I would like to give a foreigner shout out. As an American GAA football fan, I've recently stumbled upon your show. I really enjoy it and was quite surprised to hear a P-Bezil from Ocean City, Maryland. I too am from Maryland, a native of yeah. the great state <laughs> of Maryland, and was just in Ocean City last month. In fact, I even took the old laptop to plug it into the TV to watch Dublin against Mead in the Leinster final. If only I'd gone to Subway and met those sandwich-making lads, I would have invited them over to watch. I'll see what I can do about a large corporation sponsoring a week of the second captains at the beach. Thanks. Oh, now you're talking. So, thanks for reaching out, Andrew, as uh, you Americans would say. And we hope you continue to enjoy our magnificent... Indigenous games and anything you can do, you know, with you know, if you want to grease the wheels of corporate America, one of to bring your us indigenous corporations, yeah, exactly. One of your many fine homegrown American corporations, <laughs> that would be absolutely brilliant. We move on to a heartwarming tale of athletic patheticness now, Owen, from the mean streets of New York City, the Big Apple, of course. Sure, and it relates to our guest last Thursday, world champion Rob Heffernan. Take it away, Alan O'Brien. Hey, lads! A few years back, I ran the Ray Darcy five K thingy. With a few hundred Cork Langers And gold medalist Rob Heffernan With about 2 kilometres to go Holding my own With Cork's Latest world champion He says See you later lads I've got a race in Portugal next week And off he walked <laughs> I, I, I tried my best to keep up But had no chance It was surreal And awesome All at the same time I finished in 20, uh, 20 minutes 18 seconds And I, rec- I reckon Rob cracked 18 minutes Anywho That's my story Of being burnt by greatness And that's from Alan uh, King Ferry. N.Y. N-
3: hashtag P Bezos.
2: Did he?
4: Act- so Rob Heffernan actually turned on the afterburners. Yeah, and while what? never breaking into. Oh, a sorry, truck. I've got some yeah. work to do. Yeah,
3: and I can imagine that Rob Heffernan is one of those annoying people that you see in fun runs like that, Murphy. Yeah. Who do the fun run really fast and continue to run. I've seen a lot of people do Keep this. Going, oh yeah, yeah done a lot of, a a lot of these get. runs where people do say it's a ten mile race, yeah. and they've got the number entered in it. They finish and literally just bomb on through. Why? Because they're, like, they're training. Ten miles isn't enough for them.
4: But ten miles is a fine amount to run. It depends on what in stage fact, of the training a program. it's probably bit too there. much. Hmm. I'd say 10 miles is, is a little bit on the excessive side for well, a training run. That's right?
3: certainly what I would have thought. Yeah. What um, if you're training for a marathon, which is 26.2 miles? Uh, look, You've got to hit that 10 mile barrier at some stage it's in your not training. necessarily about just uh, this. Is, but look, Owen, we'll, we'll get, we've got
2: the music lots is of time still playing, playing. Oh, yeah. yeah, I yeah. Mean, sorry,
3: Murphy. O'Donovan tells me
2: that Jim Galvin and Natalie Hudson are in Geelong, Australia. And the picture of them at the beach was also supposed to include a P Bezel written in the sand, but then the tide came in. Hashtag fail. Uh, I don't believe a word of it, but uh, there you go. Jarrett Scannell sent us in a photograph of him holding a P-Bezo sign at Ayers Rock in Australia, which is pretty impressive, particularly as he'd just taken part in the uh, charmingly titled Outback Marathon. Ugh. Uh, while Tiernan de Burke sends us greetings from the Appalachian Trail. David McDonald sent us a photograph from Venice. Gondola might be in the background, but no P-Bezo sign, so no dice. And Martin O'Keefe and his buddy managed to write P-Bezo on their arm and spell P-Bezo correctly while <laughs> in a pretty... Awful state at a gig in Montreal, by the looks of things. So we should be thankful for such small mercies. Keep them coming into second captains at irishtimes.com. We love you all very much and miss you when you're not around.
3: (laughs) There you go. Nicely done. Now let's get into US Murph.
1: Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses.
5: I am deeply sorry for my
1: irresponsible
5: and selfish behavior.
1: You're
0: being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there.
1: Straight three called, and the Jays have won the World Series.
3: Brian, great to talk to you as always, and a special thanks to you. I know you're breaking away from your vacation to have a chat to us this week.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this, boys, and uh, I think this is not the first time I've spoken to you from Lake Tahoe. It shows the the consistency of both my vacation patterns and our relationship together. Of uh, so, it's all good. Yeah, Lake Tahoe is a uh, is a nice little three and a half four hour drive from San Francisco an alpine lake that uh, divides the the state lines of California and Nevada go right to the middle. So you're either on the Nevada side where you can gamble legally and attack the sports books and lay all your NFL wagers and college football wagers and all that, or you can go to California and obey the laws and don't gamble. We're on the Nevada side, guys, but I'm happy to talk to you and uh, good to be back on.
2: Hopefully no one does a Fredo on you. Uh, Brian
1: Good knowledge Tremendous knowledge Godfather 2 Filmed in Lake Tahoe I'm actually looking At a boat Out on the shore There's a guy Who looks vaguely Italian On the boat oh. God knows what, God knows What he's doing boys I, yeah. I'm going to stay out of it I'm going to stay out of it Brian
3: <laughs> let, Let's talk About our old friend Alex Rodriguez uh, People might have fatigue At this age If they think We're talking about PEDs or anything like that Well, we're not, although what happened is probably connected to PED use. Can you please tell us what happened when he stepped up to bat against the Yankees' great rivals, the Red Sox, a couple of nights ago?
1: Yeah, not only that, on Sunday night television, which is the, uh, you know, we've talked many times on how baseball TV ratings aren't nearly the same as football because it's 162 games versus 16 games. But still, even by baseball's uh, sort of long marathon pace, this one had all the energy of an NFL-type game. Because it's A-Rod, and we've discussed at length, and, and most Irish sports fans, of course, know by now you know his, his drug scandal and his fight against it and uh, the talk of banishing him for life. And, and then what's actually happened, guys, is that 60 Minutes in the meantime reported that it was Alex Rodriguez's lawyers who provided documents that, that implicated other Major League Baseball players, including the famous Ryan Braun, the National League MVP from the Brewers. So A-Rod, since we last spoke, has now been, been viewed as a rat. First they call him A-Royd for his steroids, and now they're calling him A-Rat because his lawyers tried to throw some other players under the bus. So into that forum charged the Yankees on a Sunday night TV, and the Yankees and Red Sox hate each other anyway, and Alex Rodriguez is the perfect villain anyway. So what happens is a Red Sox pitcher took the law into his own hands. His name's Ryan Dempster, decent pitcher, a fine pitcher, but nobody knew what was going to happen, which was that Ryan Dempster had decided on his own that he was going to administer baseball justice and baseball justice guys is throwing a hard baseball at about 90 to 95 miles an hour from 60 feet away at somebody's body uh, and it gets very um, you know very emotionally charged because hitters in the box do not like having a object hurtled at them, and pitchers on the mound are generally asserting their macho-ness and in their, in their code, and the fans get very charged up about it, and umpires get very upset about it, and, and, and teams get warned about it. So it's a whole code of baseball of throwing at a hitter that you're either trying to send a message, or you're trying to um, you know fire up your team, or there's any number of things that go into throwing at somebody. Now guys, we have to say there's a difference between throwing at somebody and throwing at their head. If you throw at their head, all bets are off. That is viewed as almost an impardonable sin in baseball because you can really, really, really seriously injure a guy. In fact, guys, if you go back to baseball history, there was a guy who actually got killed in the 1920s by a ball striking him on the head, and any number of players have been injured severely through the years. Guys, they didn't have baseball helmets until the 1950s, so guys like... Jackie Robinson, if you see the movie Forty Two that just came out, Jackie Robinson gets drilled in the head by a by a white pitcher from the Pirates who doesn't want him on the field because he's black. Uh, Lou Gehrig got drilled in the head, blood trickling down the forehead. Um, so there's a lot that goes on. There's a lot that goes into it. And Ryan Dempster threw at a Rod with the intent of trying to hurt him for being basically bad for baseball. And of course, you know fireworks ensued. The Yankees manager Joe Girardi who has said on the record that he is not supportive of Alex Rodriguez's drug use, had to defend his player, came charging out of the dugout, furious, screaming and yelling and, and very upset, saying you can't have players taking justice into their own hands like this. Otherwise, He actually compared it to the movie My Cousin Vinny. He said that we have no justice system. It's like My Cousin Vinny. Umpires had to warn both sides. It became a very, very, very charged topic, Made even more so when Alex Rodriguez came up later in the game and hit a massive home run off the guy Ryan Dempster, which is really the ultimate... Answer. So, yeah, guys, a lot of drama in Boston Sunday night.
3: Absolutely, and there were so many strands to that, Brian. I must say, it it seemed like in a, in a, just a one match or even half an inning, the more absurd side of baseball was captured almost in microcosm, you have your pantomime villain drug cheat, which is maybe a modern enough phenomenon. Idiot fans around the place with signs saying most wanted and probably aroid and all of that. The classic bitch, a pitcher batter stare down. The crazy coach that you talked about, Girardi from the Yankees. And the really OTT umpire go, ejecting him, but doing it in, in just this, again, pantomime style fashion. There was so much going on there. I see that the pitcher didn't actually get ejected himself he has been since banned for five games but the umpire decided to let him stay on the field
1: which is incredible, and that's what got Girardi so upset, because it was so obvious that he was throwing at him. Now, guys, it gets really kind of like these shades of gray of how you throw at a hitter. Sometimes you have to pick the right time to do it where it's 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 you, you can kind of get away with it. Because if you do it after you've been warned, see what happened was the home plate umpire then had to warn both benches, and he said the next person who throws at a hitter, ejection for the manager and the pitcher. And guys, this is a relatively new phenomenon, even in my lifetime, when growing up in the '70s and '80s, walked in baseball, guys throwing at hitters happened all the time. It was baseball's own wild Western form of justice. It was how, it was, it was how players. It was how teams got back at other players that they felt had violated the code of baseball. If we we can do a whole show on the code of baseball and mm. how you're not supposed to show up another player if you hit a home run, you're not supposed to stare at it, you're not supposed to flip the bat, you're not supposed to do anything that draws attention to yourself. If you do, you are quote unquote disrespecting the game, and you are then going to get thrown at. In the old days, that would happen a lot, but as you know, I almost liken it to like. Car safety, you know, how we used to drive around with our kids not even seat belted. And now you have these, you know, space age uh, baby chairs in uh, in cars. Like anything, as society evolved, we decided it was not good to have pitchers constantly throwing baseballs at batters' heads. And so we have A, helmets, and now B, this system of warnings and and ejections that goes in. And you can talk to old-time baseball players. And I say old-time, I just mean guys from the 1980s. And they're very upset at this because they thought baseball players did a great job of policing the game on their own. This guy needs to get thrown at because he's a bad guy who's disrespecting the game. We're going to take care of it on our own. But what you saw with the umpire freaking out there, jumping out in front of the plate, screaming at both benches, ejecting Girardi with him trying to establish uh, a justice or a, I mean, a, a sense of control over the game. Because things can get out of control. And in the old days, they really did. They used to have some knockdown, drag-out brawls. In fact, you guys should for fun. Sometimes I give you guys little YouTube hint I hope you follow up on 'em. Yeah, yeah. Go look up the go look up the San Diego Padres Atlanta Braves Brawl. I think it was eighty four you will see, you will see absolute mayhem. I'm talking guys ripping jerseys off each other, guys bare fisting, smacking each other in the face, guys chucking other guys. At one point, fans got involved, and this was in 84. I was 17 years old at the time. You know, I'm watching this, and this is kind of what you thought. Now, nowadays, you have Ryan Dempster throwing at A-Rod, and you have all sorts of warnings going down and fines and ejections. They just don't want it in baseball anymore, but Dempster wanted to make sure that he He let A-Rod know that he thinks he's a rat and that he's bad for the game and all that stuff that he accomplished. And guys, actually, yesterday, Major League Baseball assessed their penalty for Ryan Dempster, Mm -hmm. and they only penalized him five games, which is a joke because that means really nothing. If you do that over five games, a pitcher only pitches every fifth game anyway, so only misses one start. And that's really nothing. I mean, one start, they, they can even, ma- ma- the Red Sox can even massage their rotations so that he misses no starts. So basically, baseball was sort of, they, you know, Bud Sealy has it out for A-Rod. They were basically sort of letting Dempster get away with it, which is a whole other layer to the story.
3: Brian, you were a pitcher in college, right? No, I got in
1: high school. High school. A, don't overrate my athletic career, boys. I love that you're trying to overrate my athletic career, but yeah, I pitched in high school and I was not good, guys. Well, not good.
3: I, but can I ask you? Did you ever meet out some Brian Murphy justice? I don't know to, to, to the Vigilante guy, to, style. Yeah, to the guy who took your, your your favorite girl and asked her to the prom or something like that.
1: You kind of had, you kind of wanted to, but I never had the courage or the stones to do it, guys. Also, I didn't throw hard enough. You know, you have to you have to have like a little muscle behind your pitches to kind of. Come up and in on a guy. You know what you, the really good pitchers do? is they come up and in on a guy's chin, and they're so artful with their pitches that they don't hit them. What they do is they just scare the bejesus out of them, and they knock them off the plate. Uh, I wish I had that skill. Yes, I wish I could have. There are a couple guys I can think of who I would have loved <laughs> to have buzzed up and in, but guys, I probably would have uncorked the pitch up against the backstop, and you know, runners would have scored from every base and uh, would have been bad. So you've got to have skill. That's part, of the, that's part of the deal.
3: Brian, I guess to, uh, to wrap things up, People at the Red Sox certainly don't seem too happy that A-Rod is still involved after doing what he did and, and possibly ratting out some others in the process. It, would that be a widely held view in baseball now that players and fans are thinking, what's this guy doing here?
1: I, I'm, I'm, I was having a discussion with a guy about whether or not he's the most hated player in the history of baseball. Uh, And Barry Bonds is the other name that comes up. But you guys know from all our years together that at least Bonds had San Francisco on his side. You know, we kind of saw him as sort of, quote-unquote, our steroid guy, you know, and in, in, a, in, a, in a game that was overrun with, with performance-enhancing drugs. At least our guy was good, you know. So San Francisco has loved Barry. A-Rod doesn't even have that in New York. So he has really no supporters anywhere. And, yes, the Red Sox' um, anger at A-Rod and Ryan Dempster's attempt to uh, injure A-Rod or at least scare him or, or make him uncomfortable is representative of pretty much how all of baseball feels. I think we talked a couple weeks ago. What, what's so amazing about this go-round with steroids, as opposed to ten years ago, is that a, a number of prominent players are coming out criticizing their own brethren, and that did not happen a decade ago. And A. Rod is now the poster boy of the new sort of players anti-steroid use thing. Now, I got there are other cynics out there who say, "Wait a minute, I, players are still cheating." Don't go, don't, don't go thinking that all of a sudden the game is pristine and pure and clean. That there's always going to be cheaters. It's human nature. So that for to, for us to sort of demonize A. Rod, uh, some would say, is a little bit hypocritical when we probably know that other other players are doing it. But we've talked many times about how A. Rod. There's just so, something about his face and something about him dating, you know, being fed popcorn by Cameron Diaz at the Super Bowl. You know, there's just things about him that just make him a very unsympathetic figure. And then, as I told you at the start, the news that perhaps his circle outed some other players just added to it so yeah what Ryan Dempster did for the Red Sox he was sort of speaking for a nation so to speak
3: okay Brian you can switch back out of work mode now enjoy the rest of your vacation thank you very much
1: I enjoy the chat guys now back to the lake
3: that's the question that's going to be answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight, tonight, into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight. Their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just, the bottom line is,
1: Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight.
3: Second
4: Captain's Football. Available on IrishTimes.com, Second Captain's, and iTunes from 6 pm tonight.
3: Tonight,
1: tonight, 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 tonight. tonight. tonight
3: sounds like an awful lot of fun that Brian is having there I must say I'm a little bit jealous particularly mm. that he's on the Nevada side it's, you can just really let loose yeah I mean you know California is
2: you know, notoriously okay. buttoned up yeah notoriously yeah. buttoned up part <laughs> of the world yeah but I mean you know I mean either side of Lake Tahoe I'm to be honest right now if you're asking me right now which side
3: of Lake Tahoe I'd rather be on? You say, you I'm, choose. I'm
2: pretty easy. Yeah. I'm pretty easy with the whole. We
3: will dig out that brawl that he's talking about between the. Did he say the Padres and the Braves? Yeah. In and 1994?
2: you know, in the spirit of sporting ecumenism, I may well tweet him on a link to the 1996 All Ireland f- football <laughs> final replay. We can make. We can compare and contrast. That was a disgrace. It was a
3: blot on our national game. Yeah. Our wonderful indigenous games. That is the one part that was missing of this overall bit of absurdist baseball theater. The bench clearing brawl the benches were cleared everybody came out and started to make their way slowly towards each other and you were just waiting for someone to kick it off but I am actually hoping that this Padres Braves brawl is a little more I shouldn't be hoping for violence in sport, no, but shouldn't. it happened thirty you're years disgrace. ago, so it doesn't and nobody was badly hurt, so we can look back. No, you're a disgrace,
2: back. on. I mean, that's the sort of
3: attitude. It's it's a regressive attitude, and I don't like it because it's I think m- you should apologise. Most of these bench clearing brawls you see in baseball <laughs> involve a lot of people falling over each other, yeah, and not much going. Well, on, which be, is fine I, because we don't want violence in the sport, yeah. so that's great. I
2: think the the bench clearing, you know, Red Sox get up, like say, right, or the Yankees up for this, and the Yankees are looking at each other, going, "Am I really going to go over there and take a punch
3: for Alex Rodriguez?" I don't think. so. <laughs> really, don't think I'm going to do that. It's funny you say that because even after he scored the home run, he wasn't exactly mobbed by his teammates. Yeah. There were a few high fives and the very basic bit of baseball home run celebrating etiquette, mm. but that was about it, really. But
4: didn't he? Didn't he imitate the pitcher?
3: No, he pointed to the sky in the way that Ortiz, the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Their main slugger, their A Rod. Yeah, 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 he did what he normally does, which is
4: which was brilliant. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, it was real. He's uh, finally embracing the fact that everyone hates. Yeah, but he's a so natural heel,
2: and yeah. his
4: line afterwards was fantastic.
2: Yeah, when he was asked about whether uh, Dempster, uh, yeah, go on. Dempster's well, they, they said, uh,
4: you know, should he get suspended for you know trying all the things that A <laughs> Rod said. I'm the wrong guy to ask about suspensions. Holy mackerel! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. just swear. I mean, you—you will do all, all the PEDs
3: I want in my career, but I will not swear on yeah. national TV. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, he knows. Uh, he knows the rules of television. Coming up at six o'clock.
1: That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. No, yeah, you can laugh. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be
0: like yeah. me. You well, don't know what you're talking about. What yeah. did
1: you know? I'd like to stay alive for All six right, to okay. evening, I'd there.
0: say it to you, I'll say it well, to you now. Mean, I'm,
1: I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them What you
3: doing down here, yes, yeah. you show man. I we should know that that is Jamie Carragher. Yeah. Threatening a radio um, host. No, he was uh, inviting
2: a radio host down to Anfield. There was a menacing. Su- maybe there
3: was a bit of a subtext. This, uh, yeah, well, he wasn't threatening physical violence, but so he, let's he, sort this out man-on-man. Man. If that was, just involves arguing verbally, let's do it that
2: way. Yeah, yeah. so that, that guy's a talk show host who'd been slagging off Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr rang ran into the show yeah, which was brilliant. and yeah. kind of called him out on what he was saying. And yeah. that's kind of
4: Come down, Danfield, We've got all the ProZone gear. Run you through a few videos <laughs> and probably change your mind. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about Bale, who <laughs> is just the subject of the most insane transfer deal in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, people. You sometimes talk about oh, the, the money spent on football players is obscene, and it isn't obscene. It's simply a reflection of how much money football clubs have, which is a reflection of the popularity of football and the expensiveness of television. Okay, we don't need to go into all that here, but right. this is a ridiculous deal. It's completely insane, and we're going to talk about why we think, uh, well, why I think that's the case. Now, so maybe you've got a, a different opinion, and we're also going to talk. Well, I don't know
3: your opinion yet.
4: Well I think it's completely crazy and stupid and possibly as a you know in entirely in character for what Real, for Real Madrid uh, and what they've been about for some time but you know I'm just kind of looking at it and thinking Cristiano Ronaldo cost even it cost less money than this I mean it was an unbelievable deal at the time in terms of phew, they're going to pay how much and Ronaldo has scored a goal a game mm. What's Berg? Is Berg going to score a goal again? Well, he doesn't have to. Doesn't he? He's just cost more than Cristiano Ronaldo. What's he supposed to do? Run around pounding the turf with his hooves. I mean that's it's not it's not going to cut it like he's going to have to score a goal a game where everybody in Spain no, he's not will be laughing didn't. at Real Madrid. He never he doesn't score a goal a
3: game for Tottenham so he's not being brought in to score a goal but a, but a game. Cristiano Ronaldo didn't always score a goal but a game. But he did either. in the last in his last season and a half.
4: He got uh, what 42 in 2008 36 maybe in in 2009.
3: A lot more goals than Gareth Bale's in 23.
4: Got this it's more the, I think it's what Bale got last season which is more the type of total Ronaldo got in 2007. So maybe he's just done a slightly... You know, in the later stage of his development. But look, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have more time later to talk about this. We're also gonna talk a bit about Mario Balotelli um, with Grant Wall, who's speaking to him over in America. He's he's the first, um, the second non-American football player to be second, is second soccer player, second no second Second non-American soccer player to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated after David Beckham. Uh, the headline the, uh, the title of the interview was The Most Interesting Man in the World so we'll find out just how interesting he really was we're, and uh, yeah we're going to talk also about the beginning of Serie A uh,
3: Second captain's Football show we give right. everything away. Maria Sharapova has gotten rid of her coach Jimmy Connors after one match she tried to change her name or maybe didn't really fully try to do that but got the publicity out of that now she's pulled out of the US Open through injury we're joined by Nick Harris of SportingIntelligence.com Nick do you think that Sharapova has has the sh- sugar pulver stunt damaged her reputation at all?
0: I think, well, first of all, was it a stunt? Absolutely it was. Um, you know, she's now pulled out with a shoulder injury. That wouldn't have come out of the blue. Um, I was looking at her Twitter feed this morning. She was actually still publicising sugar pulver, um, you know, publicity events in New York. <clears throat> Uh, her agent made the rather unconvincing explanation when she said she wasn't, in fact, she going to change her name Sugar by saying, in actual fact, you know, she would have needed to have a an interview at a court and change her paperwork and all kinds of onerous things that would have meant she wouldn't be able to travel easily to Japan and China afterwards. As if they couldn't have thought of all these difficulties before. So clearly, absolutely, it was done. So that's, you know, and, and a pretty blatant one. Did it work? However, of course, it did. It made. News around the world that it was going to happen. to absolutely big tick. It did work. Will it damage her reputation? Well, it's just it's just a little bit tacky, uh, rather than kind of any kind of massive destroying of her reputation. But you know, w- will people fall for this kind of thing from her again? No. Um, is it tacky? Yes. You know, is it going to besmirch what she's achieved in tennis? No. But um, but yeah, it's just a little bit. Um, it's not exactly a sweet thing to do.
3: No, it <laughs> certainly is, not Nick. And I guess the, I'm quite taken by a lot of the criticism she's received. Sure, it's tacky and tasteless and whatever you want to call it. But the idea that she's exploiting a tournament for a commercial game, its professional sport, that, that, that's essentially <laughs> what it is in a lot of ways. It is a commercial activity. David Beckham has been lauded over his career for maximizing his earning potential. Maybe he's just done it in a, in a less tacky way.
0: Well, there's plenty of people, uh, you know, who've criticised David Beckham over a long period of time for being more interested in commercial endeavours than playing football. I'm not, I'm not one of them, but, but you can't say that David Beckham's gone without criticising for maximising his commercial potential. But he's quite a loved um, well, Certainly
3: in the UK, he's, he's the, I know maybe he has been criticised. Of course he has, Nick. It's a fair point. He's been criticised in the past, but he's kind of uh, ridden over all of that.
0: But, but what I'm saying is Maria Sharapova, you know, she, she will be criticised for this particular stunt. And it is tacking, and there's no doubt it is, it's a tacky thing to do. If she'd gone ahead and actually done it, that would have been different. You would have thought, okay, well, look, she, you know, she hasn't just said she's going to do this and then made this lame excuse and not done it. If she'd kind of gone ahead and really, you know, had the effrontery to actually go and do it, you might have think, well, mm. blimey, you know, you'd almost take your hat, hat off to her for her guts part, you know, in actually going ahead with it. The fact that it clearly was a stunt that, that was never going to happen. Is that is almost a tacky bit? Will it damage her long term? Of course it won't. I mean, you know, it'll be a tiny little footnote in what in what she's done. And she's obviously, and for some time, you know, had one eye. On a post-playing career, she's had a chronic shoulder injury which has dogged her for six years, and you know, has had surgery and, and has probably hampered her, her career more than it would most people. This is the injury, you know, that's keeping her out of the U.S. Open. She's a smart, nice girl. She's very savvy. You know the whole sugar pover stuff is post play, and you could say, "Well,
3: why not?" It's a funny one in that Maria Sharapova is the richest, the highest-earning female athlete of all time, and earns a lot more. She earns more money at the moment than some of the top men tennis players. Federer is still um, more wealthy as the figures go. Djokovic and Nadalo don't quite make it as as high as Sharapova does in the listings, which could be seen in modern sport as quite an achievement in itself for a female sports person to earn more than her male counterparts.
0: Yeah, it's a huge achievement. And given, you know, her background, you know, coming as she did famously with just a few hundred dollars to um, to Bradenton in Florida to Nick Boletieri's tennis academy when she was seven, eight years old. Um, you know, her dad, you know, wanted her to, to be trained and, and see her potential. You know, I've spent time, I know Nick Boletieri quite well, spent time in Bradenton with him. I've, I've met Maria. You know, I know that she was so hardworking. You know, area always talks about this inner steel of this 9- and 10-year-old girl she first met. She worked very hard. She absolutely made the most of all her talents, and she's worked phenomenally hard. You know, um, to become the richest sportswoman in the world is clearly a massive achievement. Has she worked hard to get there? Yes, she has. Does she deserve, you know, what she's got? Yes. Has she been a brilliant player on the court, well, you only have to look at the fact she's one of a very rare band of women to have won all four slams. Yeah, of course, it's a massive achievement. And, and that's why, you know, I don't think anyone should begrudge the fact that she's made lots of money or that she's got her, you know, her sights set on a post-playing career. I mean, come back to the sugar pellet the thing. You know, I do think that the pretended, um, you know, the pretended intention to change her name was a tacky stunt. But let's like laying that aside... You know does she deserve to make all the money she made and has she worked hard for it you know absolutely um, I mean, she's only twenty six years old shes you know she's been around forever she came into her consciousness really obviously at seventeen winning winning Wimbledon in stunning fashion but she's you know for her to achieve what she's done at twenty six as well is absolutely phenomenal
3: yeah, it really is. How did you find her when you spent time with her
0: yeah she's she's really really uh, you know pleasant um, she's she's very uh, down to earth. I mean, Volatieri's obviously known as, since she was a tiny little kid, and and kind of you, you know Nick always says that as a nine-year-old she would go on court absolutely, all steely determination. You know, Nick 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 would always say, you know, her attitude when she came on court was let's get this frickin' ball game started. You know, he'd kind of she was this little competitor, and that she was she knew exactly what she wanted. But, you know, in terms of a uh, 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 media personality to deal with, she's kind of very, very easy. She's very, um, very personable, all business on court, but perfectly pleasant off it, you know, clearly very determined. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't begrudge her anything she's achieved.
3: Nick, just lastly, you made the point earlier that people won't fall for a similar stunt again from Sharapova. But is it impossible uh, the way media is these days for her not to get publicity if she was to try something like this again just by nature even if it's critical even if it's oh Sharapova is trying this same stunt again it would still be talked about if she if her marketing team came up with something similar
0: it would it would. I mean, uh, let, let's make. A proper, I'm trying to think of a, a comparison from another sport and a, and a different thing. Of something where you kind of groan when you hear it, but yeah. it ends up being reported because it's and the most obvious thing I could think is a Ronnie O'Sullivan retirement in <laughs> snooker. Now, I mean, I've been covering snooker for you know for quite a long time. I've probably only personally been in attendance for at eight or nine of Ronnie's retirement announcements out of the 57 or however many he's made over the years. You know, when he's kind of scratched his nose and says, "Oh, I think I might give up forever." You know, you ponder, you think, God, you know, we can't ignore this because a news desk will say, oh, we've heard Ronnie's retired tonight. And, uh, you know, and at the same time, you think, yes, but we've heard it so many times before. You know, with Pover try stunts around Sugar Pover. You know, depending what they are, they'll get reported. But, you know, if, for example, in the near future, she said, oh, actually, I am going to try again to change my name to Sugar Pover, say, for the duration of Wimbledon next summer. The first, you know, thing that will be reported in that is... She she did this last you know she said this last you know autumn at the, last summer at the U.S. Open and it didn't happen and so it would start damaging her credibility. I think there's a limit to the amount of um, time she could pull a stunt like that. Um, that's not to say she won't get lots of coverage for Sugar power and for other things she's doing. But if she pulled the same stunt again about pretending she was going to change her name, I think, you know, she'd, she'd lose credibility pretty quickly.
3: Yeah, we'll try and ignore it next time if we can. But Nick Harris, sportingintelligence.com. Great chat, thanks very much. Thanks a lot. The one issue in all of this that we've only touched on so far is Sharapova is getting a lot of criticism for changing her name, trying to change her name for commercial reasons during a tennis tournament.
4: Yeah, what's, what's in the name? I'd say my name. And if you paid me money to sell my name, I'd call myself, you know, what pretty much whatever you were paying me to call myself. Yeah, I see
2: it's, it, yeah, and, like, your name is very easy to pun on as well. So, like, you know, if you're an alarm clock company or something, yeah, you know, Ken. That
4: would
3: be his energy. That's, but then he doesn't have to change his name.
2: No, no, no. Well, he still would. But, I mean, everyone knows him as Ken Early. So you could very easily pun on that word. Early Warning. to bed. Early riser. I mean, listen, there's there's any number... I mean, I'm just... I was actually, in the middle of making a point here. Yeah. Well, I, now I'm in the middle of making Ken many
3: thousands of euros, It's, so n- it's not so much... I think much Ken would
2: rather listen to me on, quite yeah, frankly. It's but. not so
3: much. You can continue that conversation <laughs> off air, no problem at all. It's not so much the fact that she wanted to change her name that gets to me. It's, maybe I'm being too precious here, but she's yeah. changing her name to Sugar. Yeah. Sugar Pova. She's, she's promoting sugar. So? Well, she's a sports person.
4: So, you need sugar to play sport? You Try
3: playing sport without sugar, on that? Yeah, I'm not sure if possibly the, not processed sugar. Not sugar. sure if the type of candies that she's promoting are exactly what a supposed. They can
4: person. They can help. They can help, on. I mean, if, if you were if you were Chris Froome, for instance, powering up that, uh, power, powering up that Alpine pass, and you know you suddenly find you're hypoglycemic, and oh no, you're not going to win the Tour de France, you know. Uh, so you get your teammate to go back to the car and get you some glucose gel illegally and, and give it to you and you take it and you, you take your fine and you win the Tour de France, great. But if he just had a bag of sugar powder candies... That would have done the job? Uh, they, it would have done the job, maybe not quite as quickly as the job, but it would have done the same job. We're talking about vitamin nutrients. It's not like it's, you know, Roman Abramovich flogging oil, poisoning the planet. You know, she's just uh, turning a lot of kids into little, little, uh, fat, you know, little fat kids. Little boys and
2: girls of the you world.
4: Know, little fat kids with rotten teeth. Oh you know and and
2: want to look like me, don't eat my candies <laughs> yeah. well, no like i I appreciate the point here Owen, that you're trying to make that sugar you know in excess is bad, but I mean, it doesn't stop like global sports like McDonald's
3: sponsor the Olympics,
4: yeah, I mean they, they I mean they sponsor all kinds of football McDonald's, McDonald's. do
3: salads now these these days I'm <laughs> oh, that rap, yeah, that's yeah, that's
4: <laughs> real smart dieting there you know, keep eating that wrap. You know, McDonald's, okay, everybody knows you're not supposed
3: to eat it every day. Well, not every day for 30 days, as no. we found out by the documentary. Which, know, so. by
4: the way, was totally exaggerated.
3: What, what was exaggerated? I was just reading about this quite recently. Supersize Me was the
4: name. Yeah, and uh, the Supersize Me was the name of the uh, Morgan Spurlock. Yeah. And yeah, apparently, according to what I was reading, nobody has ever been able to replicate Morgan Spurlock's results. You know, they've tried it.
3: Mm. <laughs> sorry who's who's tried why would somebody else try to do the I'm exercises? telling you I would look it up and uh, they haven't had the same effect. no no nothing like it
4: I mean you know I remember he was he was kind of he became all depressed he was like oh yeah. he was also talking about how much calories they they're kind of like well hang on a second there aren't even quite that many calories in like a meal. you know if you're, if you're talking about eating this many like I mean you've actually must have been topping up your calories from somewhere but you know I'm serious check it out I was disappointed on Twitter because I remember I remember watching that movie at the time and thinking Wow, you know, I never
3: did realize that food was quite so The right subtext of that movie, to me, though, seemed to be that he really, really wanted to stop eating all the superfoods that his girlfriend was giving him. Do you remember this? <laughs> She's giving all this crazy, crazy Listen, stuff. honey, I've got an amazing <laughs> idea for a <laughs> documentary, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> I'm going to have to eat loads of McDonald's. You're going to have to throw out most of that salad. Yeah.
4: Well, it's just, I think anything, you know, eat anything for a month and you'll get sick of it. You know, That's why you got to mix it up. Sometimes... Superfoods, you know, healthy foods. Mm. Sometimes a little McDonald's or even the some burrito candies. makers
2: of Dublin aren't going to like hearing that. If you
3: you telling old McDevitt that, Ken, but nevertheless, a burrito a day, Murph. Yeah, keeps the doctor away. Second Captains at the Irish Times, secondcaptainsatirishtimes dot com is the email address you can get us on these days. Follow us on Twitter at secondcaptains, Facebook forward slash secondcaptains. We'll try and find that nineteen eighty four baseball brawl for you. We will definitely put up the Alex Rodriguez theater. Uh, from the Red Sox match on Sunday night because it's actually pretty incredible uh, stuff to watch. Thanks very much, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thanks again.
4: Thank you, and thank you, Karen.
3: Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Simon, over there. Thanks, Simon. And uh, we'll so chat, to chat to you. Chat again soon. <laughs> fun, is that? It's the second time it's gone off.
0: They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those,
1: those boys.